DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents Spiritual Desolation. Be aware, understand, take action with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher is a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, a religious community dedicated to retreats and spiritual formation according to the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. He is featured on several series found on the Eternal Word television network. He is also author of numerous books on the spiritual teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the venerable Bruno Lanteri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, all published by the Crossroads Publishing Company. This particular series is based in part on Chapter 4 of Setting Captives Free, Personal Reflections on Ignatian Discernment of Spirits, Spiritual Desolation. Be aware, understand, take action with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. In this episode, we pick up our conversation with Father Gallagher, discussing various questions about spiritual desolation, and then we enter into the spiritual qualities of spiritual desolation. All right, there's also a further question that will come up fairly regularly when I'm presenting Ignatius' teaching on spiritual desolation and the rules in general. And so I'll formulate it this way. Um, I have in mind somebody asking the question. Ignatius says that we should resist and reject spiritual desolation. But doesn't God allow trials in our lives? Don't we grow by faithfully enduring them? Isn't that what God is asking? So how can Ignatius say that we should resist and reject spiritual desolation? So that's the question. And it's a very fair and I'd say important question in the spiritual life. Now, in order to answer that question, we have to introduce a new category into our conversation, and that's the cross. So what we need to do is clarify the difference between spiritual desolation and the cross. And the way I'd like to do that is through giving an example. So I'm going to compare the experience of Martha and Jessica. So Martha is a 65-year-old married woman, and her marriage and family are a source of joy for her. And this is a woman who loves the Lord, whose relationship with the Lord has deepened over the years. Diabetes runs in her family, and in her 40s, Martha found that she was diabetic. And she's faithful to the appropriate diet. She's faithful to taking the medication. Ten years ago, a neuropathy developed in her feet with its accompanying pain and struggles, and some days are harder than others. Martha's eldest daughter had many struggles in her marriage, and she's now separated from her husband. And Martha's been a pillar of strength for her daughter uh, over the years, helping her and her children in their pretty difficult situation. The company for which Martha's husband works has laid off many workers and she and her husband wonder what they'll do if he should be laid off as well. Martha does her best with all of this. Uh, she faces the issues with prayer and trust in the Lord, and it's not always easy. At times, she grows discouraged. As the years are passing, however, Martha finds that she worries less, turns more easily to the Lord in times of pain and struggle. And as the years are passing, her family finds in her an increasing source of strength as these various issues unfold in the life of the family. So, that's the situation. 
Martha is a woman who loves the Lord and for whom the cross, that's the key word now I'd like to illustrate here, for whom the cross has taken the form of physical struggles with an illness, family issues, uh, her daughter's struggles, her daughter's children, her grandchildren, and then financial concerns. As Martha does her human and her spiritual best to deal with these situations, she is faithfully carrying the cross and is correspondingly growing in the Lord. And so I'm thinking of Luke chapter 9, 23, where Jesus says, uh, if anyone would be my disciple, let him take up his cross, follow after me. The daily cross, Jesus tells us, will be part of the life of a disciple. But as we've said in other settings, when we carry our cross following him, not alone, but carrying it with Jesus, in Jesus, with the strength that he gives us, our Good Fridays like his lead to Easter Sundays. And you see this in Martha. Her faithfully carrying her cross makes of her a source of strength for her family, her children, her husband, for the family and its many concerns. All right, that's one situation. Now Jessica. Jessica is 36 years old. She's single. She's a professional woman. And today, uh, on we'll say it's a Wednesday, she returns home from work in the evening with her heart weighed down by the struggles that she experienced that day at work. She's discouraged. Normally when she gets home, she has a short time of prayer before dinner. But uh, today in the discouragement feels no desire at all to pray. Why bother? Uh, and this is the feeling. You know, nothing's going to change. You'll pray, but nothing's going to change in this situation. She certainly does not right now feel the warmth of God's closeness and love. And the energy that she generally finds for spiritual things is just missing. It's not there right now. Normally, on Wednesday evenings, Jessica goes to the parish for a Bible study. And she's loved this, but this evening she has no desire to go. If she's honest, all she really wants to do is head to the refrigerator and flop in front of the television. Now, Jess, as all this is going on, Jessica realizes that she needs to take a look at what, what's, what's going on within her. Now, you can see that's the uh, transition from the non-discerning to the discerning life. That's the, there's the awareness. Wait a second, there's something going on here that I need to look at. And she does that. And as she uh, looks at what she's experienced, she can recognize their spiritual desolation going on. She can also recognize its cause, you know, the non-spiritual discouragement, maybe a project that didn't go well at work this morning or as well as the hope or attention with a fellow worker or, or whatever cause might have been there. And recognizing, there's the second step, the understanding that she is experiencing spiritual desolation, she turns to the Lord for help. So there's the third step, taking action to reject it. And she asks for the courage to resist the desolation, and she decides that she's going to pray as usual now that she's arrived home. So she's applying Rule 5 there. She's not going to make a change in time of desolation. And she also uh, firmly decides that she's going to the Bible study as usual on Wednesday evenings. Again, Rule 5. Now, Jessica is experiencing spiritual desolation. That's the key word in identifying her experience. By becoming aware of this, knowing that she's in spiritual desolation, and using the appropriate means to reject it, the tools that Ignatius gives in the rules, Jessica will grow in faithful love of God. So Martha and all 
like her who share in the experience of the cross, they will grow by faithfully carrying the cross and using the spiritual and human means that can help. Jessica and anyone else who is experiencing spiritual desolation will grow by resisting and rejecting the desolation using the means that will help them to do so. So we grow by accepting the cross, we grow by rejecting spiritual desolation. So these are two different experiences. And I hope that just uh, through the examples we can see the difference. So to go back to the question that we, we were exploring, doesn't God allow trials? Don't we grow by faithfully enduring them? Isn't that what God is asking? And the answer is, if it is the cross, yes. If it is the discouraging lies of the enemy and spiritual desolation, the answer is no. God is never asking of us passively to endure that, but always actively to resist and to reject it. The next piece that I'd like to do with regard to spiritual desolation is just to highlight certain qualities of spiritual desolation. So this is a putting together of uh, things experienced and seen in others over a good many years now. And I think it's very helpful to name these things clearly because these are potential traps that can discourage us in spiritual desolation. They're all lies, but to see them clearly equips us much more easily to reject them when we experience them. And the first is that spiritual desolation will present itself as our spiritual identity. So I'll say that again. Spiritual desolation presents itself as our spiritual identity. That is, what you are experiencing, discouragement, no desire to pray, feeling far from God, and so forth, that's who you are spiritually. Now, if we believe that, that's pretty heavy. Uh, But if we unmask the lie, no, of course not. Spiritual desolation is not my identity. It's simply a discouraging tactic of the enemy that God is permitting me to experience now for reasons of a love that Ignatius describes in the rules because various fruits come into my life when I resist and reject it. And that's all that it is. All right, let's exemplify it a bit more. So we'll take a woman who prays for 20 minutes every morning with Scripture and um, does this faithfully, loves it, finds it fruitful. And, but it's been kind of difficult the last few days. And today, as she's getting ready in the morning, we'll say before work or other family members rise to do this, she just finds she doesn't really want to do it. She doesn't feel God's closeness. There's a certain heaviness in her heart. It'd be so easy just to get a cup of coffee and open the paper or check her email. And the desolation... I'm personifying the desolation. It's the enemy speaking through the desolation. The desolation says to her, do you see who you are, identity? You're a person who really doesn't love prayer very much. Now, if she believes that, and here I speak with reverence, if we believe this lie, things get pretty heavy. Yeah, I guess I'm not really much of a disciple of the Lord. Look at me after all these years, you know. Uh, But if we can break the lie, no. That's not who I am. This is, this is a person, a woman who loves the Lord, is a faithful disciple of the Lord, but whom the Lord is simply permitting to experience some spiritual desolation today because of, again, the fruits that will come if she resists this. And so the call here is to apply the wisdom of rules 5 through 14. You know, don't make changes. Obviously, don't um, give up your prayer. 
turn to the Lord with prayer, meditation, examine, all, all the things that we've gone through in the, in the other series. So here is a man who makes a holy hour on Saturday afternoons in his parish, say three o'clock. Same scenario, difficult week, tired, somewhat discouraged, not everything's gone well. And it gets to one or two o'clock on Saturday afternoon, and he's thinking of, this is the time when I will be heading down to church, and uh, nothing in him really wants to go. Again, no warmth of God's closeness, no sense of God's love. So he's in spiritual desolation. And the spiritual desolation says to him, do you see who you are? Identity. You're a man who doesn't love the Eucharist very much. Again, if he believes that, that's pretty heavy, but it's all a lie. No, this is a man who loves the Lord, is a man, a faithful man of prayer, loves the Eucharist, faithfully makes the holy hour every week, who is simply experiencing some spiritual desolation right now that can be dealt with with the tools and the wisdom that we've been describing. So to undo that lie really does set captives free. When I teach the rules and we get to this point, I say that phrase, spiritual desolation presents itself as our spiritual identity, and then I invite people to say it out loud with me a first time and then a second time in the hope that we'll really remember that and, uh, and, and break the chain of that lie and therefore find the freedom from it which is so blessed for us. A sense of shame, another quality, a sense of shame that can accompany spiritual desolation. So if I give words to the spiritual desolation or the enemy speaking through it, look at you. Look at you struggling like this. The woman who doesn't want to pray in the morning, the man on Saturday, or any one of us going through a day or several days of spiritual desolation. You're such a mess in your spiritual life. You ought to be beyond this after all these years. Shame on you. Now, I say that uh, with great, great reverence because we've probably all heard that in our hearts. And again, if we don't know that it's simply the lie of the enemy, that can hurt a lot and really discourage us in the spiritual life. So I'm going to say this, when I teach the rules, I say this repeatedly. There is no shame in experiencing spiritual desolation. I'll repeat it again here. There is no shame shame in experiencing spiritual desolation. Every disciple of the Lord who loves the Lord, from the time of Jesus to the present, goes through times of spiritual desolation. Read the story of a soul of St. Therese, uh, Ignatius's spiritual diary, any of the writings of the saints. It's all there. There is no shame in experiencing spiritual desolation. That's simply what happens in living the spiritual life In a world that has fallen, yes, fallen, so there's an enemy, but redeemed and loved. What does matter is be aware, understand, and take action to reject. That's that's the call at such times. But that we experience spiritual desolation, there is no shame in this. This is simply normal spiritual experience in the spiritual life. And there's great liberation in knowing that. Um, So that that burden is lifted from our hearts. A third quality of spiritual desolation is the sense of isolation that can come with it. And so here, maybe a person is in church praying before the Blessed Sacrament, and maybe there are five or six people there quietly praying. Let's say the Blessed Sacrament is exposed in Adoration Chapel or in the church. 
and this man or this woman is feeling what we've experienced. The person is there to pray, but has come with discouragement. Some things haven't worked well. Tiredness uh, doesn't really want to be there. Tries to pray with scripture or the rosary or the liturgy of the hours, but it, it doesn't really seem to go anywhere. It's heavy. There's distractions. And the desolation says, it's just you. You're alone in this. You're the only one who experiences. Look at these people in front of you so devoutly praying. They only knew what was going on in your heart. It's just you. Or um, a woman has other friends with whom they often share about the spiritual life or pray together. And there it is. You know, If they only knew. Um, the others seem so devout. They seem to have such energy when they pray and speak about their spiritual life with such delight, but I, I have this heaviness. It's just you. You're alone in this. No. Another one of the lies of desolation. It's every one of us at different times and within God's providence. We all experience some spiritual that I who am speaking these words do, and I know you do, Chris, and all of us do. We all experience this at times. So it's very important also to know that it isn't just just me. I'm not alone in this. It isn't just you. It's every one of us. And serenely then we can accept, I mean, it's painful. Desolation is never pleasant. But that there is a way to understand it and action that we can take to work to resist and reject it and thereby grow. But it's every one of us on the spiritual journey. Yet another quality of spiritual desolation so that when we're struggling with it, and there will be the voice, look at you. Again, the harsh accusing quality of this tells us clearly this is not the good spirit. This is all the enemy. Look at you. There's something wrong with you. Look at you experiencing this. Um, in your spiritual life, in the who you are, there's, there's just something wrong with you. And we don't know what it is. We can't identify it. But again, if we accept that, that lie, it gets pretty heavy. And again, it's all a lie. There's nothing wrong with you. You're a person who loves the Lord, who is faithfully living the life as a disciple of Jesus, but whom the Lord, in his loving providence, is permitting to experience some spiritual desolation right now. As I keep saying, for reasons of a love, that Ignatius describes especially in Rule 9 when he gives the various reasons why God permits spiritual desolation because of the different fruits that can come from it. We'll return to Spiritual Desolation, Be Aware, Understand, Take Action, with Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today.
A prayer for the intercession of Venerable Bruno Lanteri. O Father, fountain of all life and holiness, you gave Father Bruno Lanteri great faith in Christ your Son, a lively hope, and an act of love for the salvation of his brethren. You made him a prophet of your word and a witness to your mercy. He had a tender love for Mary, and by his very life he taught fidelity to the church. Father, hear the prayer of your family, and through the intercession of Father Lanteri, grant us the grace for which we now ask. May he be glorified on earth, that we may give you greater praise. We ask this through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to Spiritual Desolation. Be aware, understand, take action with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher, is this a time uh, during this period when we're becoming aware of this that coupled with the voice of the enemy, he'll also use a voice that we may hear from our past. We may have had someone who would say, you're a fake. You don't know what you're doing. You're stupid. You're a phony. Those types of things that we may have been uh, accusatory statements made to us, maybe as children, and that comes back. We may not realize that the enemy is using that lie that was given about our identity. Yes, with reverence, because we're on very sensitive places here in human hearts, As I've said so often, the enemy will willingly work in our vulnerabilities of whatever kind they are. And in this case, they're emotional vulnerabilities because of painful things that have been said to us, um, perhaps in the past, if that has been part of our experience. And so the the enemy will willingly work in in a potentially vulnerable space. And that's why it's so important to grow the ongoing spiritual formation to grow into the truth of who we are. You know, sometimes when we speak of self-knowledge as important in the spiritual life, we get a little bit edgy about that because self-knowledge has the connotation for us of having finally to face the deficiencies. So to use the analogy, you know, the spiritual C-minuses and maybe D-minuses and maybe Fs if we feel that they're there. And so it feels heavy, we shy away from it. But if we know the truth of what self-knowledge means, 
It's the happiest thing in our lives. Because to know who we are most deeply is to know that we're loved. To know who we are most deeply is to know that I am a beloved son of the Heavenly Father. I am a beloved daughter of the Heavenly Father in Jesus. Most deeply what we are is persons who are eternally, infinitely, warmly, faithfully loved. So the closer we get to Jesus, who is the one who reveals to us the love in the Father's heart and his own heart, I and the Father are one for us, then that opens the door now to look at if there's anything weighing on, of course we don't want that. You know, if there's any vulnerability or place of pain, of course we want to bring that to the Lord and seek healing with all the different means so that we become increasingly free to live what we truly are, and that is persons who are loved. Earlier I quoted that line from philosopher Gabriel Marcel, which I love. To be is to be loved. That's the deepest truth about uh, our lives and who we are. So when we bring truth to the lie, there's something wrong with you because you're experiencing, that lie uh, evaporates and, and we grow toward the Lord. But it's very important to know that the enemy may attempt that when we're experiencing spiritual desolation. There's something wrong with you. No, there isn't. There's just an enemy who is lying. You are a beautiful person, loved eternally in God's heart, loved faithfully, loved now. And that's the truth toward which we turn in the time of the lie. There is a further quality of desolation that it's really very helpful if we get a hold of it um, because it will do a lot to lighten the desolation if we see it, see the lie of it. And also if we don't see the lie of it, that will do a lot to make the desolation more burdensome, which is, of course, the enemy's intention. And that is that desolation in the present so the man at 10 o'clock after the discouraging day, not wanting to reach out for the Bible, ready to reach out for the smartphone in that low and earthly way. The woman at 3 o'clock in the kitchen alone, again in desolation. Or any one of us in any time of desolation, what the desolation will attempt to do is to say that this is all there is. It will claim power to um, define our spiritual present, but not only it will attempt to claim power to interpret our entire spiritual past from the present darkness, and so therefore in a dark key, and also to predict our entire spiritual future, again, in a dark key. And of course, if we believe that, it's, it gets pretty heavy. Um, if we've ever noticed, and I would invite us, uh, if we're listening, to try this sometime, when we find ourselves in spiritual desolation, if we are aware just to notice how the desolation will try to tell us that this is all there is. What you're experiencing right now at 10 o'clock, at 3 o'clock, um, that's the way it's always been, and that's the way it's always going to be. To use an image, spiritual desolation, if we allow the lie to hold, will attempt to show us not only a cloud temporarily passing across the sun, but an entire sky filled with clouds. And any direction you look, that's all there is, that's all there will be. It's a huge lie. I think I said this earlier in these conversations, that uh, this strange way of, of saying it, that the beauty of spiritual desolation is that there's nothing true about it. It's all a lie. It, it's all smoke and there's, nothing, there's no substance to it. 
And that's why awareness and understanding does so much to dissipate it, because once we can name it for the spiritual desolation that it is, already a lot of its power dissipates. And of course, there is the taking action and the various steps which consolidate that. The image that I use sometimes for this claim, false claim of desolation to interpret our spiritual past and predict our spiritual future is of a person who puts on a pair of sunglasses. And you can shade them more or less darkly depending on the intensity of the desolation. And you turn and you look back. Everything looks dark. You turn and you look forward. Everything looks dark. But you take the sunglasses off. Be aware, understand, be discerning. And you find that it's not dark. That claim of the desolation to show us the darkness in the past and the future is all smoke and there's no substance to it. So that if the man at 10 o'clock is struggling to pray, it's hard for him to even want to reach out for the Bible. The desolation will try to say to him, look at you struggling to pray. You're not much of a man of prayer. And you know what? Looking back, you never, you never really have been much of a man of prayer. And you know what else? Looking forward, you're never really going to be much of a man of prayer. Of course, as I say, to believe that gets pretty heavy, but there's, no, it's, there's nothing to it. There's an experience of St. Ignatius at the height of his sanctity, this man who has had for decades now in his life intimate, mystical, profound experiences of God and whose whole life is a love for the Lord. And it's after he celebrated a Mass, he's back in his room and he's in a time of desolation and he says, I felt utterly alone. Um, without any sense of any of the divine persons with me, and feeling as though I had never felt anything of them. There's the desolation claiming power to interpret his spiritual past. Huge lie. But it's claiming that power, and never would again. And there it is predicting his entire spiritual future. And Ignatius is writing this out in his spiritual diary, obviously very aware of what's going on, naming it. And before the morning, this is written uh, at the beginning of a morning, before the morning is over, all of this is already um, rejected and gone and things go on peacefully. So that's a quality of desolation that it's very helpful to get a hold of um, so that we don't let the desolation falsely claim that kind of power. A further quality of spiritual desolation, and I write this out of just noticing in my own experience at times, not always, but sometimes when the desolation gets dark enough, and it can easily do this, doesn't have to happen, be aware, understand, take action, and so on, but I want to describe what we can experience, and certainly what I've experienced at times. And I, I would name this as a sense of irreparable disaster. You know, in the heaviness or the darkness of this day in desolation, And so to put words to it, the desolation, the enemy through the desolation says to us, things are going badly for you. Look at you. It's all over. The harm can't be undone. And even if it could, you won't take the necessary steps. You won't change. Don't think it's ever going to be any different. Now, if I may ask very reverently of any of our listeners, have we ever felt that in a time of spiritual desolation? My guess is that it wouldn't take too much thought to nod an agreement. Yeah, uh, we do feel that at times in desolation, but that's the quality I want to isolate and highlight right here. 
that we will feel sometimes in the urgency and the darkness and the heaviness and the sense of things falling apart and going badly, how we're failing spiritually and making such a mess of things, the sense will be it's over. You've made a mess of it. Uh, It can't be undone. Again, as I say, even if it could be, you won't do it. Again, if we believe that lie, it gets pretty heavy. But again, the beauty of it is that it's only a lie. It's only a lie. That's all it is. It's just a quality of spiritual desolation. One thing that is common to all these qualities of spiritual desolation that we're naming, two things. They are harsh and they are accusing. And those are very clear signs of the enemy in people who, with all our human frailties, sincerely love the Lord and want to love and serve the Lord in our lives. That harsh and accusing quality is always a tip-off in such person's experience that this is not the good spirit, that this is the enemy at work. It can become so confusing, can it, for some, Father Gallagher, because we've talked about depression and identifying whether is this desolation, this feeling, this, just as you said, it, it sounds so hopeless in some ways. And then it can affect our emotions and other levels as well, can it? Sure. Yeah, this is what we discussed when we spoke about non-spiritual and spiritual desolation. So non-spiritual desolation would most commonly be called depression. And then the spiritual desolation on the level of our relationship with God is what we're speaking about here. But as we said before, the distinction is real and important, but we don't overstress it either because there's only one human person and all dimensions of our humanity form a unity. So that if on the non-spiritual, simply psychological, emotional level, there is some depression, very easily some spiritual desolation is already is also going to enter into there into it, so that very often we may find the two together, which is why, as I said earlier, anything we can do to heal the depression, use the tools that are there in such abundance and richness today, is going to do a lot to close the door to the enemy's spiritual desolation as well. Uh, This is where the listening carefully, not only to yourself, but maybe having someone journey with you, because the hopefulness in this that I just heard you say is that they're not necessarily linked to remember that there's spiritual desolation, but there's the non-spiritual. And if in other aspects of your life, there isn't this heaviness that other things, but it is affecting your prayer life. It's affecting your spiritual life, it's a little more clearer to say that this is spiritual desolation. Wouldn't you? Yes. Would that be true? What we said many times as we've gone through this is that the enemy willingly works in our vulnerabilities. And by vulnerabilities here now, let's let's mean non-spiritual desolation, emotional depression or physical, some substantial physical weariness or exhaustion, something like that. I think that's very often going to be the pattern. And I think that's the way I'd like to leave that statement, whether spiritual desolation could also come independently of a non-spiritual vulnerability, probably. Um, But we need to see that in in, uh, individual experiences. But we can stay on solid ground here that very often this is going to be the pattern. So if I know, for example, that I'm really feeling worn out and I can individuate the reason for it, as you're saying, it's very, very helpful. Maybe it's a simple physical issue 
that's underlying this, an iron deficiency or something. I'm not a doctor. I don't want to try to, uh, doctors could speak to this much better, but maybe a checkup and a meeting with a doctor and appropriate remedies and diet or exercise or whatever or, um, would do an awful lot to lift the tiredness and therefore limit the space for the spiritual desolation. And obviously the same on the end of depression. If I know that this specific issue in my life is what easily trips me up and causes depression, then are there healthy steps that I can take with regard to that? Which is another way of saying something we also mentioned earlier, that self-knowledge is really important in the spiritual life. The more we, the more we know about this humanity of ours and how we're experiencing it and what's going on, uh, both what helps so that we can keep doing that and also what uh, hurts in various ways so that we can address that and make healthy changes. To do that, to know ourselves enough to know what those issues are and then to get help if we may need it, whether spiritually or non-spiritually, and then pursue healthy steps with regard to this is a great, great blessing for the spiritual life because it's the whole person, as we say, that, that uh, journeys toward God. And, you know, again, I know some of the things that we've said just now, we have said before, but it does bear repeating because this can be a challenging situation to be able to discern. You know, where are we? What are we experiencing? To be aware of it, to understand it, and then ultimately to take action. But once you do that, then you're set free. Then you know, not only in this, your spiritual journey to be able to continue you know, towards that calling that God is, is pulling you towards, but also in your spiritual life, in your non-spiritual life, your health, your well-being, so that the whole person, it all becomes a beautiful integration, doesn't it? It does. Growth on the spiritual level blesses all the other dimensions of our lives as well. So we've been speaking about health on the non-spiritual level as a blessing for the spiritual dimension of our experience. But it works the other way as well. As people grow more in peace, know more that they're loved by the Lord and are growing in communion with the Lord and finding greater serenity, calm, uh, hope, energy for life, that's going to bless the emotional level and the physical level as well, sure. Yeah, I just I can't help but think of St. Ignatius with his leg. The pain probably never went away, and yet it it didn't stop him. The spiritual health, if anything, aided his ability to be able to keep moving forward. Yes, and not only with the limp, he had other physical issues that he never complained about, and they only really learned about after his death. Um, he lived with a lot of pain, uh, never let it stop him. What's coming to mind as you raise this issue about Ignatius is a description of him. This was when he was in Venice before he came down to Rome. And this was one of the captives set free by his spiritual help and his teaching. And they asked this man to describe Ignatius, and this is the way he described him. A tiny little Spaniard, because he was short in stature, he was about five feet two inches. Uh, A tiny little Spaniard, a bit lame with joyful eyes. Beautiful description. A tiny little little Spaniard, a bit lame with joyful eyes. That's a nice summary. In fact, I used that in the last chapter of the book, uh, Setting Captives Free. That's where it leads. 
So the physical issues, the cross, as we said earlier, will be there in our lives. But we can live it knowing that Good Friday leads to Easter Sunday, as it does in our lives as well. We'll continue our conversation on this aspect of spiritual desolation in our next episode. You've been listening to Spiritual Desolation. Be aware, understand, take action with Father Timothy Gallagher. This particular series is based in part on Chapter 4 of Setting Captives Free, Personal Reflections on Ignatian Discernment of Spirits. You can find this book on Father Gallagher's website at fathertimothygallagher.org. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Spiritual Desolation. Be aware, understand, and take action with Father Timothy Gallagher.